final hour fan morning show. Brent Gunning and Sam McKee. And this insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Luke Fox Jukebox joins us now. We have actual hockey, well, not actual hockey to discuss, but real live news, not just speculation. How exciting is that? And how are you doing, Luke? I'm doing fine. I'm more curious about how you guys are doing as uh, diehard Leaf fans. How are you feeling about this? Well, uh, let hold me, on. No, no, you, you hold on. Hold on. McKee was just air guitaring uh, during yes. the, as I was introing you. So however he's going to tell you he feels, <laughs> he can't be too broken up about it one way or another. Well, I just feel that it's nice to text you when we actually have something to talk about. Like, <laughs> yeah. There was a couple yeah. texts there that I'm sure you hit the producer with the okay or <laughs> sure. Because yeah. it's, it's yeah. like, oh, great. There's nothing to talk about. Uh, this is great. But today there is actually news. So. I mean, to answer your question, Luke, I would say I'm feeling okay. Just okay. Yeah. I'm feeling I'm, good. I'm feeling sure. I'm, I'm feeling, feeling good. That, that that level of excitement uh would be it would be okay. Now if it, if it was eight years, you'd probably feel a little bit better. Correct. Oh, yeah. eight years you're yeah. dancing for, for that contract. That's mm-hmm. what it all comes down to, right? I mean, this is the first big I, I keep calling it a big swing, but it's not. I mean, this was always gonna happen. This is the first big move that True Living really has made. You know, he went out and he did the free agents and or he, you know, he, he added Bertuzzi, he added Domi, he added Klingberg. Like you feel how you feel about those moves. They're one year flyers, and if they work out well, then maybe it can be more than that. But this is the first kind of big move True Living has made as Leafs GM. Just kind of looking at it, how, how do you think he did? Uh, I think he did fine, considering he had basically zero leverage. Um, you know, Austin Matthews and his agent, Judd Boldaver, weren't really all that interested in talking about six, seven, eight years. From my understanding, it was three, four, five. Um, they were even interested in three. Uh, so, you know, you settle at four years, it's, uh, he becomes the highest cap hit, um, or he will become next season in the whole NHL raises the bar again. So that's, that's good for the union. It's good for Austin Matthews pocketbook and the Leafs have them right through till age 30. I mean, that is a great, huge window to have your, you know, your number one draft pick, the guy you built the franchise around, built this window of opportunity around. And by extending him for four more years, you extend your window to compete for a Stanley cup for four more years in my mind, because any, you know, there's the odd exception, but basically if you're going to build a, a championship team, you need a bull at, at the one C spot. And he is that he scores goals. He's great defensively. Uh, he can pass, you know, he's, he plays through pain. He's, he, he's, he's a heck of a player, a uh, hard trophy winner, two time rock Richard. I mean, this is, you build around superstars like this. So you extend the window by getting this done. Now, what I think is most fascinating about this, and really it, it starts with his negotiation with Kyle Dubas as an RFA and taking uh, only five years at that point, is the way uh, Austin Matthews and his agent have orchestrated this. Yeah. The fact that they're going to get two huge swings at UFA. Um, he's only going to be 30 years old. So as long as he stays healthy, um, he's going to have another crack at it. And I did the math. And he, he will have made almost $114 million just in salary. Forget all the endorsements he gets by the time he's age 30. And then, oh, maybe then I'll go for seven or eight years. And it's, it's really a, a smart way to play it. I mean, it's risky because there is that, you know, it's a contact sport, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, hockey players traditionally take the security. It's risky, but it's really smart, and especially financially for this guy. Yeah, yeah, it's very risky. Unless you care about your team winning, it's smart. But, well, right? no, it's, like I think that's. Well, I want to jump in with that. That's part of it, right? Like it's smart, and it's. But we cannot look at this as any other way than. The money is the thing that matters first and foremost. And I don't want to, I don't, I'm not sitting here asking Austin Matthews to go eight times 10. We're not going to be ridiculous about this, but it is that number on that term. And it's the have your cake and eat it too. It's all signing bonus. It's a full no move. And I understand it's just in a sport where literally every other guy to a man makes some concessions somewhere. I mean, we bullied Connor McDavid into taking a million less on his first deal, and then he signed it for eight years. It continues to be so frustrating, and I guess that's the thing I come back to is just how do you look at that, the idea of, you know, Matthews getting his cake and eating it too, and how much is this going to kind of hamper the Leafs? Because I want to be clear, they're not hampered because they have Austin Matthews at 13-2-5. That's going to be a fine number for him. But it is about the million here, million there. What does this do to Marner's next contract? It's just the ripple effect from this is is what continues to jump out to me. Yeah, and I think that's the most fascinating thing, right? Because we saw what, what Kyle Dubas did. He wanted to build around four, you know, handsomely paid star forwards. And it's no slight on the guys. But sometimes this conversation I, I find gets too skewed in debating which of the four is better or which one is, is getting too old or which one's, you know, having a, a bad week, whatever. Or, but really, this is about the philosophy of building a hockey team. And is Brad for Living going to continue to follow this path of we're going to just pour all our money and have this, the lopsided books in offensive players? And in, in my mind, and, and, and in watching, you know, recent Stanley Cup champions, you need to spend a little bit more on the blue line. So I, I think everyone knew that Austin wanted to, to come back. You know, Brendan Shanahan was not going to let this guy leave. Like, he, he was going to be a Leaf. Um, you know, you can argue that it would be nicer if he had, a, you know, signed for, for more term or, uh, you know, a quarter less million dollars or, or something like that. But really, I, I think it's about you only have – a pie that's so big, are you going to keep spending such a large chunk of it on forwards? And that's where William Nylander enters the conversation. And it's not saying that Nylander isn't worth, you know, uh, that he shouldn't negotiate and try to get every penny he can. And he, yes, he's been a bargain. He's been, you know, best bang for your buck of the four. And he is due a raise. But are you going to keep building a hockey team this way? Uh, Are you going to keep, you know, giving massive raises to these guys because Nylander's going to get a raise somewhere. Marner's going to get a raise somewhere. Um, and are you going to keep going down down that path? So that's what what I'm fascinated to see is if Trey Living is, switches course a little bit and takes a little bit from the forwards and spends a little bit more on defensemen or a goalie um, going forward here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really well said. And I think the most – and Gunnar said it well there. The frustration to me is – it's the Leafs guys are the only ones that don't do it, right? Like they, the Leafs guys are the ones that are, you know, reinventing the wheel here when it comes to contracts. And I think that's what, where a lot of the frustration comes from when it comes to the Matthews one, when it comes to whatever hap- what's happening with Nylander. And, you know, you mentioned Nylander here, and we, t- we talked about this with Kipper at 7 o'clock, and we'll talk about it with you here. I find it very hard to believe that that, little you know tidbit comes out yesterday from Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick talking with uh, with Willie in Sweden 
And he says, oh, what's the rush? What's the big deal? You know, oh. <laughs> and then there's a contract immediately signed, like five hours later, it's done. Like, to me, there has to be a something between those two things. Like, there, I'm not even doing sports talk radio narratives there. This is, those things cannot be a coincidence, Luke. Well, yeah, because it, someone made me write two stories yesterday when I only wrote one, write one. <laughs> <laughs> How dare Rory Boylan do that to you? That's not very nice. No, no, no. Uh, no, it is, it is interesting, though. The timing of it is interesting. And what, I, I think what, the, what part of it is, is the Matthews thing was kind of done already. Like, everyone knew where the other stood, both sides, you know, you know, talking to people behind the scenes, both sides always felt comfortable that it was going to get done. That is not the whispers around the Nylander situation. And one thing William Nylander has that I wish I had is this superb confidence in himself. He is genuinely not that worried. He genuinely does not feel like he's in a big rush. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of hockey players don't have that. A lot of them get panicked when training camp starts to roll around and they don't want to have to answer the questions. And they start thinking, well, what if I have a bad year? What if I get hurt? This guy's confidence in himself is off the charts. I love it. I, I'm, I'm envious of it. Uh, nothing phases this guy. So he is fine. Like, remember, this is a guy who took it all the way down to December 1st last time his contract was up as an RFA, if he didn't sign that day, he wouldn't have been eligible to play in the National Hockey League. He would have had to either sit on the couch or go play in Sweden or something if he didn't sign that RFA contract. He literally took it down to the last hour. Like, that is, you know, devotion to believing in yourself and, you know, sticking to your guns. And he has hired an agent who is willing to take things down to the wire the same way. Louis Gross. Uh, who negotiated Johnny Gaudreau's deal or, or no deal uh, mm-hmm. in the end with Brad True Living. So th- this camp is willing, you know, to, to take it down to a deadline. And the camp is not really a pressure point. Austin Matthews signing is not really a pressure point. It gives some clarity, I, I guess, to how much of the pie is left over. Uh, but right now they feel like they're, they're due a massive raise. You know, the, you know, the word is, is something around 10 million. And that's the, the choice Trey Living is facing. Do you want to invest? It's not that Willie's not worth it or is he worth 9.1 or 8.9 or 10.1. That's not really the conversation. Is Are you going to keep pumping this much money into forwards? Yeah. Well, it's worked so well for the last seven years. So yeah, yeah. Might, as well keep, might as well keep trying these kicks at the can, I guess. Well, and I, I, I do wonder how much of it is Trey Living looking at it and saying, and I, I, I don't think he's having this conversation with himself today. I think this is part of what has been part of the plan is that is there a world where I can do this for two more seasons with Tavares making what he makes and then his contract going away is what allows it. Like, I think everybody immediately draws the line to Nylander if that's where Trelevin goes with this. But there's a possible world where he says, yeah, maybe that asset is really, really good and I don't want to give up on it. And then we can allocate Tavares's money to the blue line when it's up. Like, I wonder how much that has kind of entered the, the school thought with it as well luke yeah no that's a good that's a good point so you then you have one really difficult year which would be the the 24 25 season last year Tavares is making 11 and then maybe Tavares takes a hometown discount you know and 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 just stays or maybe goes elsewhere for sure he's not going to make 11 anymore and maybe you just have one year of of really extreme cap pain but also after that year 
Marner's going to need a raise, mm. right? So, yay! It, 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 so it's, and I'm sure uh, he'll take a haircut. Yeah. Right, yeah, Luke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he will. So, <laughs> like, it's it, it's tricky, and and then I'm sure there's a, a you know you, it's you say it's business, but I'm sure it's a little bit personal, right? Like Trey Living got a little bit embarrassed in Calgary the fact that. He walked to draw out the door for nothing. Um, he felt fooled, I think, a little bit. You know, he doesn't want to talk about the details too much now, but uh, I think he thought the Flames had a, a leg- legitimate uh, chance of re-signing Goudreau and making him a flame for life, and then uh, decided to go to Columbus. And do you say, hey, Nylander is fantastic value. 6.9 is fantastic value. You just signed a bunch of guys for one year, right? Bertuzzi and, and Klingberg, and it's like, you know, he's in a contract year. Maybe there's something worth one last year of him. The other thing is asset management and, you know, the cupboards are getting bare. So you could turn him into a defenseman. You could turn him into uh, a center. I don't love their center depth right now. I don't think David Camp's a 3C. I really like Elias Lindholm or, or Michael Backlund over there in Calgary. So there, there's things you can do. Um, or you can just say, hey, Nylander's good value right now and, and let's play it out. So, you mentioned the Treliving thing there with, with Johnny Gaudreau, and I find it fascinating just – this is maybe a little too inside baseball, but probably, probably not the, – the relationship that he would have with Lewis Gross, right? Like, he probably doesn't like the guy a whole lot, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, and you're trying to negotiate – and, like, this is where these guys have to be so professional and so, yeah. like – trying to put these things behind you and move on to the next one. But how do you not, like, it's got to be super personal between him and Lewis Gross with what happened last year. There's no way that that doesn't play into it. And I know you alluded to that, but I think that point's worth mentioning. He does not want to lose a contract negotiation to Lewis Gross, who, you know, borderline pantsed him last year with Johnny Gaudreau the way that finished. Like, this has got to be really personal for Tree. It's got to be weird. Yeah, I would imagine so. And, and just think about the type of people that get these jobs, whether it's a, a you know, high-profile agent who mm-hmm. wants you know, superstar clients or whether it's a general manager in the NHL and there's only 32 of those jobs. These are competitive guys, right? They, have, they, you know, they play the game. They're, they're, they're friendly and cordial, but they have strong egos. They believe in themselves. They want to win. Mm-hmm. So they want to win whether that's you know, the game of hockey or, or in the boardroom. So... You know, there is a little bit of, yeah, you want 10, I want them at 8 point something. You you want to work with them, but you also kind of want to win, right? Because it feels good if you feel like, yeah, I, I won that negotiation or I won that trade. So, you know, when you talk to Trey Living, he's very polite. But I would imagine that, you know, there there is a little bit of extra something there with with this uh, this agent. Yeah, I would think uh, maybe maybe that would make a lot of sense there. Um, just to put a bow on Matthews, I'm actually stealing a question Sam McKee asked Kipper, and I thought it was a good one, so I'm going to ask Ooh, you. Yes. What do you think this does, if anything, to the way Matthews is perceived in the city? I, personally, myself, I think he goes scores his 40 to 50-some-odd goals every year, and they win a round or two or somewhere in the life of this and go on a run. I don't think that this will be as some negative perception that's caused by him getting everything, the term, the money, the signing bonus, the no-move, all of that. But the two moments that I think could possibly change that – 
our McDavid's deal coming up, which will be roughly halfway through the life of Matthews extension and Marner signing his deal. Now I don't expect this to happen, but if Mitch Marner does sign the eight year deal that is somewhat considered term friendly, I wonder if that could kind of change perception for, for Matthews. And then obviously if McDavid just does the, Oh, okay, I'll just sign for eight at my 13. Now, obviously that will be a, a pretty big blow. How, how do you think this deal, if anything kind of changes the way Matthews is perceived by the fan base? I think it, I think it's okay, and, and I think I think like the sense I got, you know, reading a few comments and stuff from fans. I think it's it, they're generally happy. I mean, they want team success, of course, but I think if he had a, let it lingered, I think if it was only three years, if it was fourteen, then then maybe uh, you know I, I think the fan base would take issue. But the fact that you know he got it done relatively quick. Uh, almost a full month before camp even opens. Uh, you know, there's going to be no distraction or questions to Matthews. Uh, he says he's committed. Are they over the moon? Probably not quite. But I, I, I don't think it's, it's hurt his perception at all. I think what's more interesting is how it's changed his perception among his peers. Because um, I remember the RFA deal, Matt, Matthew Kachuk pointed to Austin Matthews' uh, five-year deal specifically, and it kind of opened his eyes and said, Oh, this is how you can do it. You don't have to sign eight years. You can you can get to free agency a little bit quicker if you stand your ground. And I w- I'm more curious about how it affects the next wave of, of NHL superstars and if if other guys are bold enough to to take a page out of his book and and not go eight years. Yeah. Well, any, anytime correct. a non-leaf wants to try, I'd yeah. be game for it. Correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong, uh, Matthew Chuck. How many years did he sign for? Oh, eight? was it eight with yeah. the team he wanted to play for? At <laughs> a deal that, at a number that looks awesome now. Yeah. Oh, gee, yeah. So I guess Anyways. we're all just looking. I guess we're all just looking at Elias Pettersson. It feels like he's the next guy for that. Possibly he's gonna be RFA at the end of next year. And yeah, we'll see. I keep hearing that. I would feel. I would honestly feel better about it if I even heard more of that but it just seems like everyone says yeah it's great that Matthews wants to do it his way and then nobody else uh, seems to want to but I'm not frustrated at all you definitely can't get that sense from me Luke uh, love getting you on thanks so much man thanks Luke all right all right, talk to you guys soon. Bye. There he goes, Luke Fox, Sportsnet NHL reporter. That insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So that the dynamic between True Living and Lewis Gross is my new fascination. Because I, you know, he I mentioned want, like it. the Taiwan, like uh, what's like the Taiwan animation we get of oh, a contract yeah. negotiation. I would like it of like bottles being thrown and yeah. Those are hot in the street for they a while. They were very hot in the street. I don't know. That was what... a good 2012 joke I, I say, just told you. I was going to say, you could tell me that was last year or 2010, and I would believe you. I don't know when that is. <laughs> I think Internet it was 2012. Years? I think it was 2012. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Googling Google when did when Taiwanese was... animation videos become popular, I don't think that's going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. might take you to a dark corner yeah. of the web, quite honestly. Yeah, I was, yeah Rogers, my Rogers work computer is going to tell me that I can't do that. It would be the sound there instead i have a hard time believing that they are amicable conversations between those two guys wouldn't imagine right like i know and is there a guy that's looked upon as more professional in the league than bradshaw living and that was Pro- everything we heard when bradshaw he got hired. living is like a pro's pro a hockeyman's hockeyman downstairs not upstairs which, that was which again was <laughs> terrible what was the other guy but that's okay it was a good job by you getting down there brad yeah I don't like, but he's got an ego, like Luke said. Of course. I don't know how you could not be like, I don't want to lose to this yeah. guy again. 
Well, it's it just the problem, or not the problem, but the thing that adds the fuel to the fire is that he already had to dig in his heels mm-hmm. with this negotiation. Like, this was already one, just given everything we've talked about with the money that's going to go to other guys and where he fits and the idea of switching out some cap space from a forward to a defenseman. He always had to take a relatively hard line with this Nylander one, mm-hmm. but the fact that it's the exact same agent and pretty much the exact same situation, the difference is, is that... uh you know, I actually do believe William Nylander would, I'm, I don't think he would die or give up anything to be in Toronto, but I think he would like to be. Uh, whereas we all know Johnny Goudreau had no interest in sticking around in Calgary, would love, love, love to be a fly on the wall uh, for, for that. Also, how mad are people going to be when Willie shows up to camp and he gets asked about the contract and just gives us, oh, I don't, I don't care, stressed, worried, going to bother me? Like that, that is going to be Very bad. a, oh yeah, it's not going to be a happy day of people loving that. No, I'm going to tell you right now. People are going to be pissed. Well, that was, I said this, it's funny. I said this yesterday. I don't even remember why we ended up talking about it, but I was just adamant that there was no world that Austin Matthews was coming to Toronto to step in front of a microphone without pen to paper. No way. He made a point last year. He looked everybody in the eye, stared him down and said, I'm going to talk about this once and we're done because Mm -hmm. guess what? He is not William Nylander and that stuff does bug him, and he doesn't want to get asked about it every day. Mm-hmm. Willie can get asked about that every day for nine months, and it doesn't phase him one iota, and that's why there was never a real uh, inflection point where they had to, had to, had to get this done. With Matthews, there was What's always the inter- with Matthews, there was always What's internal pressure. Rush? With Willie, there was never going to be. What's the rush? What's the big deal? Give me a break with that. Like, honestly. Goes back to everything. You, We want these guys to care the most about the team. And I think when they're playing a hockey game, like when, Uh again, to go back to when it's not about contracts, when it's about the actual sport, I do think they care the most about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm -hmm. I have full belief that William Nylander could be sitting there on a two-on-one and it's Matthews on his wing. He's not going to pass it off to whoever, but if it's Matthews on his wing, yeah, guess what? If he feels like he should shoot, he's going to shoot. But if he feels passes the right play, he's going to pass. But when it comes to contract negotiations, Everybody is selfish. Everybody only cares about themselves. And at this point in time, mm-hmm. Nylander is looking at it as, and I understand the frustration from people who say, who cares? And the answer is me. I care a lot. Yeah. But for him, we're nowhere near, I imagine, based on everything Luke just told us, Kipper just told us, everything we've heard, the sides are nowhere near close yeah. together. So what's the point in him thinking about it is just all that means. I get the frustration. I do. Mm-hmm. But to me, I've always... I've just always been somebody who's just kind of chuckled at Willie's laid back yeah. lax, and I know people feel Chuckles. the exact opposite side of it. One word. Yeah. Yeah. What's yours? Uh, take away the CH and the I'm not doing spelling. L-E You'll just and have add to an F. Okay. And then that's kind of how I feel mm. about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it just it drives me nuts, and you know a lot a lot of his play over the years has reflected his off the ice attitude. Where it's like, you know, a lot of nights you don't notice him. A lot of nights laissez-faire, to say the least. Where he has his long stretches where you don't notice him. Like, there's weeks at a time where they usually did better last year. But still Mm -hmm. had his moments towards the end of the year where he was gone for a long time. Like, that's why it drives me nuts. And I think that's why he's the perfect, always said this, that he is the perfect sports talk radio hockey player. Mm -hmm. Because he has his moments where the people who love him can convince you that he's the best guy and he's this guy and this is what he does. And you can have the people that detract from him who can point to the reasons that he is not as good as the other side thinks he is. He is a true 
flashpoint player yep, that is perfect for sports talk radio. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, that interview upset me. That's all I'll say. I'll finish at that. Yeah, and uh, I know a lot of people will point to the playoffs and say that, hey, well, he shows up in the playoffs just uh, quickly. Here are the rankings and playoff points among the big three from Leafs forwards. Marner, 47 points in 50 playoff games. Yeah. Matthews, 44 points in 50 playoff games. Bill Nylander, 40 playoff points in 50 playoff games. Yeah. So that kind of hammers it home but all right there. I can't. So what's the point? That he's as good as those three guys? No, that he is. He is. He's really like in the grand scheme of hockey, I, he's really close, but not. That's what I'm trying to say. I can't. But the problem is, I can't sit here and say that Marner has been seven points better than William Nylander in the playoffs. No, he's not. Oh, I mean, I, I, you're preaching to the choir when it so, comes to that. So those are a little bit misleading, I would say. Okay, I don't. Just a little bit. Well, and we can. We. I. Yeah. Let me go get the splits from uh, games three to seven in series. I've seen the to recall that was the big inflection point with Marner as well. You can skin these numbers a million different ways, and guess what? We will continue to do so. We will, in fact, talk about the Toronto Blue Jays next. Can they bounce back tonight? Will they play baseball tonight? That's also an important question. Uh, the weather there. We might need to get a weather report in Baltimore. I feel like Caitlin would be all over that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Very, you know, multi-platform journalist. She's going to come on. She wrote a great story. She's going to come on, talk about it with us. And uh, again, just Jays. Big, big game tonight. Should they play it? Jose Barrios gets the start. Jack Flaherty got scratched yesterday, and it didn't matter. The O's were still able to silence the Blue Jays' bats. Caitlin joins us next. Final segment coming up. Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet. 5-9 to the fan. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 3-2. Swing and a miss, strike three. Vladdy went chasing on a slider in the dirt, and that'll do it. 7-0. The Orioles beat the Blue Jays to even up the series. And that will set up a rubber match now as it's another missed opportunity for Toronto with a lack of hitting. And not usual for them, but some poor pitching out of the bullpen as well. You know, I think that's one of the hardest things about baseball, but uh, also um, one of the easiest is that we play every day. So there's no time to, you know, in football, they play once a week. So if you have a really bad game, you're sitting around for a week waiting to, you know, have another chance. Whereas, you know, these guys are going to be in the batter's box tomorrow at 7 o'clock ready to go. So, you know, you got to know that... um, you know, we're just waiting for that, you know, that, that big stretch. And we've kind of been waiting for that all year. And, you know, is it going to happen? I don't know. You know, I, I hope it does. I hope it starts tomorrow. But we can't keep sitting back and waiting on that. You know, we gotta, we got to go now. And um, we need a little bit more sense of urgency. Uh, there was Kevin Gosman, I think, reading War and Peace following the game. Uh, no, was that, that was Kevin just Gosman? an answer. That was Kevin Gosman. Oh, my gosh, that is so much like Ross Atkins. Nope. Uh, Kevin Gosman reading oh. reading War and Peace after the game. He had a lot to say. That oh was an extremely God. long I, clip. I tuned it out. What do you say? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Caitlin, joining us now. Caitlin McGrath, The Athletic. Always love uh, getting her on. It's been too long since we spoke. Caitlin, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. Before we get into yes. the baseball... Are you are you on the ground in Baltimore? I am. Okay. I am in Baltimore. Have you have you like opened a window? Have you looked outside yet today? Because I was looking at that forecast and she's not looking great, Caitlin. Yeah, it's overcast right now. Um, okay. So could be worse, but we have a 
we have a lot of time before the game. Um, but yeah, it's um, could be a bit of a waiting game today, which I think we probably will end up waiting because this is pretty much the last opportunity for these two teams to play. So. Yeah, they're going to do everything in their power to squeeze this one in. And you're just you're talking to two guys who golf, so we're obsessed with the weather at all points in time. So anytime we can bring it into any conversation, we had to uh, we had to do it. So. On the golf show, I literally do like a four minute weather report. Yeah, pretty much so, every thank show. You. So. so thank you for playing along with us there. Yeah, this is they do need to squeeze it in. There are a couple of mutual off days, but it would be pretty pretty tough uh, to get it in with just uh, about a month left in the season. Uh, talking about the game last night, Gosman, he's nails. Uh, oh, actually, I should I should back that up. He was very good for not having his best stuff, able to work himself out of a lot of jams. Uh, I just look at a performance like that, and that is true ace stuff. You know, Jose Barrios, he is an exceptional starting pitcher. You say Kikuchi, same. But when they don't have it, it looks a little different. Something about Gosman that just separates himself from, from the rest of the staff. And I don't mean that to denigrate those guys. It's just it truly what's, what makes a, an ace an ace, and you saw it at a Gosman last night. Yeah, and the Blue Jays are lucky to have him. There's not that many aces around the league. It's not like every single team is required to have one. You know, not every team has one and not every team has one that is as effective and steady as Kevin Gosman. I mean, him, even when he's not at his best, you can usually rely on him to get through six innings, to rack up the strikeouts, to keep you in the game. And the unfortunate thing with him this year is that it's like last year he had so much bad luck with balls just squeezing through and maybe the defense not doing him any favors. And then this year it's been just not getting no run support. Um, Most of the time I think uh, I read or, you know, he has like the lowest run support in all of baseball. And it just feels like every single time You're watching Kevin Gosman. You're watching him be spectacular, but it's always in a 0-0 game. And you just wish, like, what could this guy do if he had just a a lead to protect a little bit, you know? Like, uh, I'm sure it's frustrating for him and for the team. They don't do it purposefully, obviously. The offense has been, you know, underperforming all season long. So it is just the way it is and has been. But, yeah, I mean, watching Gosman out there, Again, so effective. He really has been, you know, one of the best pitchers in the majors for the last two years, three years actually, but two years for the Blue Jays. It's one of those things, Caitlin, that's, you know, it feels like it snowballs and it's a weird, completely unquantifiable baseball thing. But when a guy starts to not get run support, it feels like it lasts the whole year. And it really has. He's the worst in the league. He has the worst uh, run support in the major leagues of baseball. And it's just... You know, I, I can't imagine how frustrating that is for him where you pitch as well as you did last night. Like he grinded through that start for him to get six innings with the amount of traffic he had. I can only imagine how much that must piss you off when you pitch that well. You give up two runs against one of the best lineups in the league and you get a hard luck loss. Like that's a brutal loss to put in your record. I can't imagine how frustrating that is for Gosman. Yeah, I mean, he's pitched so well this year, and I think, like, you know, not that win-loss record is something you really refer to much anymore in terms of pitcher wins, but he's, like, 9-8 and eight this year, which, you know, isn't great when you look at it. And But his, num- his pitching numbers were fantastic. Like, he's had so many hard luck losses mm-hmm. this year, and I would argue that he did last year as well. I can't remember what his record ended up being last year, and I think it was sort of different circumstances. I remember, like, the, just the, de- he, the defense would – 
for whatever reason, not play well behind him and all these balls would get through and he'd have like, he'd be pitching really well. And then all of a sudden he'd give up these like four CNI singles and stuff like that. And so I feel like he hasn't been as hard luck this year in terms of hits squeaking through, uh, but he, it, it happens occasionally, but it does for everybody, but just not getting the run support has been a theme for him this year. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough. It's like, you know, the Blue Jays couldn't ask for anything more from Kevin Gosman, but I feel like the last two years, he's just um, not everything has kind of clicked together when he's on the mound, which is just weird. I don't think there's any thing to do with anything. It's just coincidental, I guess. But again, like the, the offense, it's not like they're scoring a ton of runs every other day and then just not for Gosman. I mean, the runs support in general has been pretty low for all the pitchers. Caitlin, you mentioned something there in your answer about win and, win and loss records. And it just got me thinking. I watch sports every day. I talk about sports on radio every single day for... It's amazing how far out of the lexicon wins and losses are. I thought I, you were going to try to bring them back no, is no, what like, I thought you were saying. <laughs> I, I gunned in my head who's leading the league in, in wins. No idea. I, I just never look at it. Do you know, Caitlin? Do you know Gunner? No, if I had to guess, gun to my head, I feel like Spencer Strider because oh, he's just always okay. winning and the Braves are good. But okay. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Do you know, Caitlin? I don't. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's just gone, right? It's, and we all talk about baseball every day. You cover it. It's, it's gone into the lexicon. It's really weird. It's one of the things that was one of the most talked about things. Winning 20 games is like such a huge feather in the cap. And as like a total, you know, we all figured out it doesn't really have a whole lot of bearing on what the pitcher does, so we never really talk uh, about. It. I would like right? I would like to say ah. Spencer Strider is tied oh, uh, nice. for with 14 wins uh, for the league there lead go. there, and my page well just done. refreshed, so I can't tell you who the other two guys are. But as we said, doesn't really matter. Uh, so yes, uh, I, I'm with you, McKee. That's uh, that's a good point. You know, Caitlin. One other thing I, I wanted to talk to you about, obviously, is the offense with with this team. I mean, feels like they have a bit of a breakthrough. They finally get a couple of big knocks, not last night, but the night before, and then it is another dormant night and that's not about Kevin Gosman that's just about the bats I think it's just five hits they're able to muster even with the Orioles having to flutter around their 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 starter Jack Flaherty had to get scratched it's just every time we think we've taken a baby step with this team offensively it seems like it's followed up by by a night like that yeah and that's been like the strange thing about this team is like you know, baseball is a weird sport and it's not necessarily a sport where you can, you know, try harder and you're going to win or, you know, do these things that is going to help you. You can't really force it in baseball, but you, I do believe in momentum and I do believe in a team getting hot and just riding the hot hand and all this type of thing. Like I do think like a look at the Mariners, right? Like they just, I mean, I know they lost yesterday, but before that, they were playing really well, and it just seemed like they were untouchable, right? They just clearly were on a high. And so I think that that can impact a team. Like, I do believe in that. And we just haven't really seen it much with the Blue Jays this year, like, or really at all. Like, I think early on, maybe they had a couple of runs where maybe they strung together five runs here or there. But, you know, it hasn't been many runs like that. And, yeah, you see these types of games. You look at the Cincinnati series. Okay, you lost that first game, pretty disappointing. But you come back, you get a big knock from, I think it was Davis Schneider, win that game, then bats are going on the Sunday, you win big, bunch of guys hitting home runs. Then you have a an off day, but you have a great win in Baltimore, extra innings, belt goes deep, mm-hmm. all this stuff. You're like, okay, here you go. Like, the team's really going. And then, yeah, they come out yesterday, and it's just like, 
five singles, not, not really threatening whatsoever. And, um, you know, I don't know, like if you can't, it's, I'm not saying the team can't get up after a win like they had on Tuesday, but I just mean like, I, I, I watching that game and after the game, I was like, Oh, this is a big win for the team. I think mm-hmm. I even wrote, like, is this a win that can like build momentum, can get our team going? And you think like, okay, that's a, that's a good team gutsy collective effort win. Like maybe that's going to get everyone going. And, you know, you think on the heels of the Cincinnati series, like maybe the stretch could start here and then it doesn't, you know, and you, and then, and then you have Gosman on the mound too. You're like, Oh, okay. Like our ace is on the mound. Let's go. And yeah, it's just been so strange. Like it's been hard to have sort of a narrative about this team because yeah, the pitching has been fantastic. And I've gotten to the point where I'm just writing about the pitching a lot of the times I wrote about that yesterday and just saying like, this is a special pitching staff. Like the Blue Jays have assembled a pitching staff that is going to be probably incredible in the postseason. But you know they got to get there. Yeah. Well, I because it's you know I think the natural conversation is about the about Ross Atkins and about the the front office and if this team happens to miss the playoffs and it's like oh my god like the hot seat or whatever. But at the same time, Caitlin, like I will hear that argument and you know I've 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 had those conversations, but like. He built the pitching staff, which is the best in the major leagues of baseball. And the guys that he had in the lineup were all way better last year. And they've all seemed to have a dip at the exact same time this season. It's hard for me to like put this on Ross Ross The only thing you could mention is maybe not adding a bat at the deadline, but who was available? Clearly they could have got tail and taken him away from Seattle. That would have been good, but I have a hard time really faulting Ross Atkins for what this team looks like right now because he's built an unbelievable pitching staff. Maybe the best pitching staff I've ever seen on the Jays in my lifetime. They're unbelievable. It's like everybody on the pitching staff, excluding Alec Manoa, but basically everybody that's on the pitching staff right now, and even some guys are in the minors. Remember, they they optioned Jay Jackson, his ERA is under two, but it's like everybody is basically like probably at the top end of their projection and then it's like how good can this guy be and pretty much everyone on the pitching staff is at that and some of the guys are probably exceeding it like Kikuchi the way he's pitched especially in the second half you're like this guy is way better and then there's probably some relievers where you're like you know Trevor Richards not great yesterday but overall he's been excellent this whole season Tim Mays has got the lowest ERA of everyone everyone except for Josh Hader like you're having guys having the seasons of their lives basically on the pitching staff and then up and down the offense, excluding Bo Bichette, you have almost everybody, and excluding a few other guys too, like Whit Merrifield probably is project or hitting at his top end projection. Mm-hmm. Kevin Kiermaier has been pretty good, but like mo- for the most part, the core key guys have been probably at the low end of their projection. Like, has Vladdy been a disaster? No, he's doing enough to be slightly above average, which is like sort of the baseline with him, but he's certainly not exceeding expectations. He's certainly not where he was two years ago when he was an MVP candidate. And so, you know, the offense is, this team is so talented and so good that they can sort of underperform and there's still enough, like their floor is better than most teams ceiling, which is why they're still hanging in the conversation. Yeah. So that's, you know, a credit to the Roth too. And that like you, you built a team that if everything goes wrong on offense, you're still basically in the playoff picture, but Um, you know, I hear you. Like, I think you could talk yourself in circles in terms of arguing what needs to happen this off season. If the blue Jays miss the postseason. (sighs) Gotta be a killer. If they missed. Oh boy. Could not, 
Could not have that. That no. seems uh, very untenable. Uh, it would not be a happy October no. in, in Toronto. No, the Leafs would be back. Everybody would be excited uh, about that. I wasn't trying to paint everyone uh, with my brush there. Oh, okay. uh, Caitlin, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully uh, we get a ball game in Baltimore tonight. Thanks, Caitlin. Yes, I hope so. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't know. You know, there's worse There's worse cities, but I don't know the Baltimore's where you want to be. If it's uh, if it's rained out, you're not going to have to work tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there goes Caitlin uh, with The Athletic. A couple other things on baseball for you. Uh, so just quickly, I was able to refresh my page again. Mm-hmm. So the MLB win leaders, because I know that's what everyone really cares about today. It is uh, our boy, all-star starter, who we had never heard oh. of, Zach Galen. Gallen or Gallen? I've Galen. already forgot. Our boy. Uh, our... Danielle, what is it? You know? Gallen. So Gallen. I, did I, I was wrong? No, you said Galen. I do. Okay, so I like was the, wrong. Okay. Like the beloved yes. uh, guy with from Loblaws. That's right. Yeah. And then, oh, very beloved. Yes. <laughs> do yeah, not the, get me started the, on that, the, please. Man, the reason I have to pay eleven ninety nine for a bag of Doritos. Don't make me fight for the proletariat <laughs> here right now, buddy. Uh, the other, the other They're guy. They're two for twenty. What a deal! <laughs> You, just because you say deal doesn't mean it is one. This reminds me of uh, this, this reminds me of um, when I was in school in Windsor, and I would be like, "Hey guys, they sold me a great deal." It was like, I forget what the other thing was, but it was something and a two liter of Coke for five bucks, and they're like, "That's a terrible price." I'm right. like, "But I hand them a fiver, and that's it. That's and it's, it. Like, it's a terrible deal." So <laughs> just because you say deal doesn't mean it is one. And uh, Justin Steele of the Chicago Cubs also has 14 wins. So everybody he was really good against the Jays. He was, wasn't he? and also. Uh, Gallon and Steele, throwbacks. They're both also top five in ERA. Mm-hmm. Win leaders and ERA in the world what? twenty in the world of twenty twenty three. I didn't think that was possible. Also, didn't know this. Chris Bassett, <laughs> top ten in the league of wins, seven. 12 and 6 this with an is ERA now, under 4. It's funny. In a, in a world where we only care about stats, this is now my new favorite version of guys naming dudes, of guys pulling up MLB league leaders in August and so, just be just finding stuff out. Here's an unanswerable question for you, Gunnar. I'm going to throw at you. <laughs> Please. Is there another stat in sports history wow. that has been so relevant for so long and then is just gone from the ether. Like I can't think of anything like plus minus has always been sort of like wishy-washy taboo. Yeah. I guess there's nothing. There's nothing. Cause goals like, I guess was there ever a time Mm. where GAA was the sole defining factor of a goaltender before we had like a real dialed in idea of save percentage. That's true because now it's like save percentage is the real stat. But guess what? We still talk about your GAA because it affects who you are as a goalie. So yeah, I think that that's the only one I could possibly think of is goals against average. But it's crazy that it just never is talked about. There's stuff that goes the other way. Like passing yards were already always important, and now they are even more so in the NFL. But, yeah, in terms of going the other way, I honestly, I'm trying to think. I can't. I can't think of one. Like, there's stuff that goes away. Like, we don't see complete games or perfect mm-hmm. games or anything like that anymore. perfect game this year. We did. But, you know, yeah. few and far between. I mean. First one since 2012. It's hard to do. You're yeah. Being perfect. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot to ask. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention. Not for me. What? Not from me. Not from you? Yeah. At, at, uh, they call me Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect. Shout out, shout out Dave Pastel. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. I uh, also wanted to bring this up to you. We talked about Shohei and how the mm-hmm. how his contract, the upcoming one that you think he'll sign. No, sorry. You have reported. I have he reported. will sign with First the Dodgers. First reported by me. Uh, Buster only, just adding some context to your report. Okay. 
Uh, the context, he literally says that in the tweet, uh, for, not for you, for Shohei Otani's oh, baseball for, future. For, at Sam Amiki. Could you imagine? Yeah. Bill, hey, Bill Simmons tweeted that, Joe. Why couldn't, oh uh, why, why couldn't Buster Olney? One of the wildest nights of my life. Yeah, I know. I've never been more. You, you played top 100 courses, and I've been more jealous I, that Simmons tweeted at you than that. And the worst part was, like, I was defending DeMar DeRozan. What like, a time. <laughs> I, I will say, beloved rap still. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, of course. No, not, not I guess. Of course. At a time <laughs> when no one wanted to be here, he yeah, did. I okay. Guess. Buster only uh, on Shohei. The context for Shohei Otani's baseball future has completely changed. There's just no way to know how much he'll pitch in the years ahead, and it may be that the pitching side of his forthcoming contract will need to or likely be incentive-based on starts and appearances. So still probably getting the money, but he's got to actually go earn the money is how that that could play out. I imagine teams would want to do that, but what's a good way to negotiate with Shohei Otani saying, I'll treat you like you are a pitcher even if you're not one? I think this is... Just thrown a fascinating wrinkle into Big the offseason. Massive. Like, I, you know, it sucks that he's hurt. Still the best bat available, bar none. Like, not even close. Yep. Like, he is in He leads elite. the majors and homers. We yeah. know that one we do know. He, and I think OPS. Yeah, yeah. He's got a, uh, he's over 1,000 OPS. He's hitting 304. Uh, 44 home runs. Uh, am I allowed to say this on the radio? 91 RBIs. Pretty good. Three, uh, seven triples, which is a lot. 22 doubles. Like he's, that was the thing that surprised me the most about Shohei when he first came here. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because there was just so much about his game that they had to tell us about. Did not realize, like, I, I want to be clear, I'm aware of this now. Mm-hmm. But when he first broke in, did not realize he possessed the speed yes. he does. Like, athlete. That was the thing that athlete, athlete, jumped athlete. out to me when I saw him live the most. Is him gliding around the bases like a god. Like He, he really does god, just like, have figure. that that aura yes. about him. Some guys have it yeah. and they have it forever. Yeah. It's a uh, man. When I'm looking at him, it's almost like I'm like, I'm looking at one of the all time great athletes of all time. Like it's the same feeling I had when I watched LeBron James play yeah. for the first time. It was only time. Yeah. Uh, it's all I'm like the LeBron, <laughs> you're, I'm a LeBron, the LeBron you're, beat, you're but, a LeBron tracker. Yeah. Like I, him, you know, I'm trying to think of other guys that have seen that would be in that echelon. McDavid. Yeah, but it's not the same it's, as hockey. It, you're right. It's not. You're right. Because hockey is just like, you know, that's by far the fourth sport. And, yep. You know, but I've never been to an NFL game. So maybe actually. So I went. You know who know who I, when mm. I get that feeling? My boy, Swag Kelly. Swag Kelly. Did you see their video of I me, walked, and, me and JD no, get left I hanging walked, by him? I walked <laughs> out of here yesterday and JD was just singing the gospel of Swag well, Kelly he to our him boss. On Twitter. Oh, is that yeah. what it was? Well, okay, I, I was mean, wondering what the impetus was. We also like went to the oh. Argos game, and we both tried. We went to like the handshakes, yes, because they come out like we got caught trying yeah. to go across. So we were like, "Oh, we might as well dap up the boys as they come out." Why not? And we got like everyone was dapping us up. AJ Olette gave me a big high five. I never washed my hand again. It was great. <laughs> and then Chad Kelly comes out, and he's looking locked in. I'm like, "This is risky," and I put the hand out. Just right by me. And yeah, our, our boy Gomer got it on, on film, and I'm just like, oh, God. Tough. Yeah. Did you see, I, I'm so happy you said the name AJ Ulex. I totally forgot. Did you see he did like a indie wrestling show? AJ Ulex? What? Yeah, I have video of it right here. Apparently, this is him in the ring, and he's at like an indie wrestling like show. Like recently? Here. Like this is three days ago, I think. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love him even more. <laughs> it's got muscles in his ears, pal. He really does. That's what Pinball told us. Uh, and as he told us as well, better to be on this side of the ground yes, than sir. the other, and better to have Austin Matthews under contract than not. Correct. I think we can all agree on that. Bugs coming in next. I imagine he might have a thought or two mm-hmm. on that. Fun show today. We'll be back tomorrow, including a golf show after that. So I'm making the key work for four oh, hours tomorrow. God. Fan morning show. Bugs coming up next on Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan.